The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Well, we're looking today at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, and the message is how to get God's help when you need it. Let me read the passage to you first. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, in other words, Jesus on his way to heaven and the ascension passed through the heavens. This was a fulfillment of what was acted out in the temple before, that the high priest would come in and he would pass through the holy place before he went into the holy of holies. This is exactly what Jesus did. He passed through the heavens before he went into the heaven, the third heaven. In this case, what he's talking about here is this is how we find help from God through Jesus Christ. I remember about 20 years ago, I had something happen in my life. My dad had a heart attack, and they didn't know if he was going to live or not, and it was really scary. Um, I went over to Lodi where he had the heart attack, and uh, they said, we're going to take him to St. Joseph's, and we can do a couple of stints, and we think he'll be fine. But we got to St. Joseph's. They called me in with the doctors, and they said, this is much worse than we thought, and he really needs a dual bypass, and we have to get to it now. We can't wait. And so I said, well, then get to it. And so I prayed for him, and then I still remember they they pushed him out of the room into an elevator, and the doors closed on him, and then I couldn't see him. I thought of this passage and the fact that when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, Everybody was cut off from him. The veil over the Holy of Holies was let down, and the people couldn't see him because he was in the presence of God, representing them. And and so in that time of great crisis, I desperately needed the doctor to be two things. I needed him to be competent and know what he was doing and to be compassionate, to really care, and to really be able to help. In our times of crisis, big or small, What you need is someone who is competent and compassionate, and that is exactly what Jesus Christ is, our high priest. In our passage today, the author of Hebrews says, In those times when our need is immense and far beyond our ability to cope with it, we must do two things. We must cling to our confession of Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, And because he's competent, we can say that. We can make this confession because we know that he is competent. And then secondly, we need to come into his presence because Jesus is compassionate. And so he invites us into the very presence of God, and we go in there with him because we know he cares. He's compassionate. So as like Luther said about this, he said, after terribly terrifying us, the apostle now comforts us after pouring wine into our wounds He now pours in oil. After convincing us that we need help, now he builds our confidence in the only one who can help us. That is Jesus, the Son of God, the High Priest. So this is what we must do when we want God's help. First of all, we must cling to our confession because Jesus is competent. He really is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that reminds us that he is that. There's only one in a position to give us help, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the one who can help us because he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Recipients of this letter were very familiar with something that many of us are not, and that is that they knew that Aaron, who was the first high priest of Israel, that he followed a divinely prescribed route when he approached Jehovah on the Day of Atonement. We're told about this in Leviticus 16 and Hebrews 9. 
He passed through the court of the tabernacle, through the holy place. He disappeared behind the curtain, the veil into the holy of holies. There, in the presence of God, the Shekinah, which the Jews would pronounce it, the Shekinah, it's the manifest presence of God. So he went into the very holy of holies where the manifest presence of God was, and he passes through this in order to represent us before God. He wants us to put all of our trust in him that he can do for us exactly what we need. So he carries the blood of the sacrifice with which he cleansed and made propitiation. And now when he passed through the heavens, he took his own blood. Now, there is this argument between some theologians about whether Jesus actually took his blood into the third heaven, or that's simply just an expression that means he went into heaven having died for our sins. That very well may be. But the point is, his blood is the proof that he paid for our sins, that he was crushed and he was crucified for us. That tells us that he was competent and capable. His life was worth it to save us. He gave his life, and that life was worth it to pay for all of our sins. So the way that we get help is that we go to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we realize that we must cling to our confession because he is competent. And so we, our confession is, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Jesus passed through the heavens, according to Hebrews 9.23, something far more than a spiritual journey like some astronaut. It wasn't just that, that he went up. It was that he was transcendent. It's a picture of the fact that he is above all things, as Hebrews 2 says. Jesus not only ascended, he completely transcended all the limits of time and space, and he guarantees his uniqueness, his greatness for us. And he made propitiation. Propitiation is a wonderful word. It's a word that means satisfaction. It means that what Jesus did on the cross totally satisfied a holy God in regards to our sin, that he completely satisfied the Father. And we're told that this propitiation is not only for us, but for the sins of the whole world, that Jesus Christ, his death has no limits on its value. It's simply in God's plan and purpose who is going to receive this by faith. What we really believe in our heart and therefore confess with our mouth is what we are to confess to the Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't really believe, we can't truly believe without confessing. And so if you confess the truth about Christ, it's because you believe it. And so we are to cling to Christ. Jesus said, these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for him who tries to do away with them for him to be cast into the lake of fire. He would uh, be destroyed because of it, because Christ has such a high sense of value of his people for whom he died. This is what he paid for us. He was willing to lay down his life and shed his blood. Now, the idea of him shedding his blood is a picture of violent death under judgment, that Jesus died under judgment for us, and he shed his blood. And this is the way that that expression is always used. It's why we have the the sacrifices in the Old Testament, their blood was shed. It was a picture of them undergoing judgment in the place of sinners. And so Jesus says, this is very important so that those for whom I die, you'd be better if you had something hung around your neck and, and dropped into the depths of the sea than to, to uh, do what is wrong to one of his for whom he has paid his life. 
an invitation to have an audience with Jesus is the greatest invitation that any of us could ever receive. I remember when I was invited, I got an invitation from my wife to come in and see our third child born. I thought it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I had had two children before that, and we couldn't even go close to the delivery room. We would wait out in the waiting room until they would tell us the baby was born, then we could go in and see the new baby. But this was absolutely amazing to be in the presence of her birth. But this is far better, to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And this is what he has invited us to do. He's invited us to come into his presence. In fact, it's one of the marks of this new covenant. It is, it is always, God is always saying, come closer, come closer, come to me. And that's because the payment has been paid. Jesus Christ has paid for our sins. So these Jewish Christians were being coerced to go back under a priesthood, which they could see this priesthood could not do what the priesthood, which did his work out of their sights when he went into the heavens. The high priest is truly sympathetic, we are told in verse 15. We don't have a high priest who is not transcendent. Yes, he's very transcendent, but he's not remote. He's still Jesus, the son after his ascension, and he can sympathize with our weaknesses. That's what we're told in Isaiah 53, 4. He sympathizes with our weaknesses, but the fact is he has been tested in every way, and so he is one who is up to the job. He can do this work for us when we need him to. This is what he does. We have to let endurance have its perfect work. Uh, we're told in James chapter 1, verse 4, he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials, but you have to allow this. He says uh, that the reason you're given trials is so that you'll learn to endure, but he says you have to let endurance have its perfect work or finish its work in your life. And the point is, this is what happens when we speak boldly. We receive mercy for our failures. That's one of the things in the book of First John that some people never get, and that is that we are told if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ has paid a price that's good enough for the whole world. Every person who comes to faith in Jesus Christ will be saved. And now that has nothing to do with whether or not election is true. The Bible teaches a doctrine of election, but it has to do with God's role in this uh, this work of bring, drawing people to himself. We're told in Hebrews 4.16, he says, Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need, just at the proper time. So what happens when we speak boldly? Well, speaking boldly, as it's talking about here or in First John, is talking about the fact that we can be honest about ourselves. We confess our sins. We don't hide them. We don't put them out of sight. We go to the Father and we confess our sins and we receive mercy for all our failures. When you're in misery, even deserve misery, you can come to this throne and receive real compassion from one who has tasted the unimaginable pain and anguish of sin because he was the recipient of it. The humanity sinned against him and put him to death. You can find grace for our needs. When the believer in need comes to this throne, this particular throne, the throne of grace, uh, that has become the throne of grace because of the work of Christ, he receives good gifts that he doesn't deserve, and he could never earn them because he is dealing with the person who has all the wealth of heaven and earth. This is specifically pointed out in the book of Ephesians, that Jesus was willing to lay down his life even though he himself didn't have to. It wasn't 
a necessity. They didn't overpower him. He humbled himself for us because of his love for us. So he does what we really need to help us in time of need, receiving timely help. What we need is a Savior, and that's who Jesus is. He is the Savior of the world. And so we confess this confession continually, even as we approach him, because we know that when he hears us, he understands how we feel. We have failed. We are. We feel alienated. And Jesus Christ is there as a one who can understand us and have compassion on us. Well, Jesus hung between heaven and earth on Golgotha when he was on the cross. He was feeling the wrath of God in a very deep way. And listen to what was happening back in the temple inside the city wall. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and breathed his last. He's on the cross. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now it's 30 feet high and 30 feet wide. And so no man could get that high to uh, rip this uh, veil that, that separated the Holy of Holies from the place where the people were. But God did. God tore the veil so that they would understand that nothing keeps them from the presence of God when you come through Jesus Christ. So before Christ, only the high priest was permitted to approach the sanctuary of God's presence only once a year on the Day of Atonement. When he passed from sight into the Holy of Holies, the people were excluded from the presence of God because of their sinfulness, and and they were prohibited from drawing near. But now, now that Christ has gone in, now the one who passed through all the heavens with his own blood has finished his work for us and sits on the throne, and he says, guess what he says? Come to me, come to me. And this is the best news ever, as as Mercy Me sings. Um, This is great news that that Jesus has done everything necessary to make us acceptable to the Father. The throne of grace with boldness is what we see. He enters onto the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So the veil has been rent, it's been torn, and forever this separation between God and sinners has been done away with through Jesus Christ. The worst sinner that you know can come to Christ by faith and be forgiven and be restored and renewed in his relationship with Almighty God, his Creator. That's the great high priest that we have, and this is what he's done for us. Let me read again this text. This is uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that is Jesus Christ, who has passed through all the heavens, he's entered into the very holy of holies for us, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. That is our confession that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Now think about that for a second. He was tested in all ways as we were, but without sin. He's never given in to the temptation. Now, that's why he has suffered longer than we have, because we usually give in so soon that the test doesn't last that long. But what Jesus does is he never gives in, and so he suffers for a longer time than we suffer for our sins. This is the good news, and this is how we get help from God for our lives. It is through Jesus Christ the one who was willing to lay down his life for us. And he is available. When we come to him, we know that he will respond to our prayers and for our requests. He's the one to whom we can bring people who need Christ so desperately. 
This is the great calling on the life of every believer, that God has called us to share the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ to all who will listen. And it's the greatest blessing that we could ever imagine. Let me pray for us. Our Father, I want to ask you right now that you would work in our hearts and lives and give us a deep, profound desire to share the good news of Jesus Christ, of salvation in Jesus Christ. We pray that you would, you would allow us to see people coming to Christ. We would be encouraged by that. We pray that you would do that in our lives. We long, Father, to be used by you to bring the good news to those who need it. And we know that everybody we see, everybody that we run into that, that are not believers, they need Christ, and we have the message of Christ to give to them. And so we pray that you would energize us and encourage us in doing this. In Jesus' name, amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.